The Hive Poetry Collective. This is Dion O'Reilly, and you're at KSQD Santa Cruz 98.7 FM. Today we're here with Wilma Chandler and the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater. Welcome, Wilma. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So, Wilma, I'm just going to let you jump right in and tell our audience what you're going to be doing today. Okay, well, thank you. Um, we are going to do a Halloween show honoring the poetry of the wonderful Edgar Allan Poe. Ooh, spooky. Yes, and Edgar Allan Poe is, of course, most famous for his short stories, but he is also a little bit less famous, but equally as amazing for his poetry. And we thought it would be most appropriate for this time of year because the poetry is... Very moody, very mystical, very romantic in the literary sense of what romanticism is. Um, Longing, grief, loneliness, uh, oneness with the mystical spirits all around us. And so we thought this would be a beautiful homage to him and also this time of year. Well, I'm so glad you came up with this idea and um, presented it to me. And I do think that his poems are really specifically effective uh, for listening and hearing aloud because of the rhythm and the, and the meter. Yes. So I'm glad we're doing this um, today. It, it's also a wonderful demonstration of his command of rhythm and language and just vocabulary and references to Greek and Roman and all sorts of literary genre. Uh, his rhythms have a musicality that is just wonderful for actors to work with. It's always good to get yeah. back to the classics. Well, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater? Who is okay. in it? How, what is it all about? The Willing Suspension Armchair Theater has been uh, working for about 10 years now. It is a collective of actors and directors and literary people who do presentations uh, of literature, not drama, but literature as readers' theater, and we take poetry or fiction or oral histories or any topic that seems to have a cadre of literature around it, and we present them either in the schools or in the bookstores or the library or on the stage. That's a wonderful combination of art forms, and I think that a lot of us poets, we get so wrapped up in the writing of the poem that sometimes we forget about the power of the presentation, except for the slam poets, and that's their whole thing. Right, yes. Um, so great. Well, um, shall we just go ahead and sure. start reading? Yes, I'd like to introduce our readers for tonight. Um, it, for the poetry show tonight, we have Geraldine Byrne, John Chandler, Kathy Chetkovich, Andrew Davids, and Avandine Wills. 
and uh, we're happy to be presenting. This is an exciting show for me, too. Well, we're really happy to have you, really happy. It's always a pleasure to have you on the Hive Poetry Collective. And um, you're going to want to introduce the poem you're going to read first? Yes, um, I'm going to start by introducing the five readers who will read our first poem, which sort of sets the tone for the whole collection of read of poetry that we're going to read. Uh, it's called Spirits of the Dead. Ooh. And it will have all five of our readers. Excellent. Spirits of the Dead. One. Thy soul shall find itself alone mid dark thoughts of the gray tombstone. Not one of all the crowd to pry into thine hour of secrecy. Two, be silent in that solitude, which is not loneliness, for then the spirits of the dead who stood in life before thee are again in death around thee, and their will shall overshadow thee. Be still. Three, the night, though clear, shall frown and the stars shall look not down from their high thrones in the heaven with light like hope to mortals given. But their red orbs, without beam, to thy weariness shall seem as a burning and a fever which could cling to thee forever. Four. Now are thoughts thou shalt not banish. Now are visions ne'er to vanish. From thy spirit shall they pass no more, like dewdrop from the grass. Five. The breeze, the breath of God is still, and the mist upon the hill, shadowy, shadowy, yet unbroken, is a symbol and a token how it hangs upon the trees, a mystery of mysteries. That was the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater reading Spirits of the Dead. And Wilma, I can see why you want to pick this for your opening poem, because it's a little bit of a, a pondering on the nature of the poet sitting in solitude and listening to the spirits. Yes. Um, I thought it, w- it was an introduction that not only set the tone with text itself, but with the rhythm, with the driving mood of loneliness that comes through even the most joyful of the poems. And we will get to some joyful poems, but there is a a feeling of loneliness and despair and longing through so much of his work. And the poem that we're going to start with now which Yvonne will read, I think exemplifies also this quality of his entire life being a searching, um, an unrequited searching for fulfillment. Um, So we'll start with that one. Great subjects for poetry. Love, longing, death. Wonderful. Alone. From childhood's hour, I have not been as others were. I have not seen as others saw. I could not bring my passions 
from a common spring. From the same source, I have not taken my sorrow. I could not awaken my heart to joy at the same tone. And all I loved, I loved alone. Then, in my childhood, in the dawn of a most stormy life, was drawn from every depth of good and ill the mystery which binds me still. From the torrent or the fountain, from the red cliff of the mountain, from the sun that round me rolled in his autumn tint of gold, from the lightning in the sky as it passed me flying by, from the thunder and the storm, and the cloud that took the form when the rest of heaven was blue of a demon in my view. Oh, thank you, Fontenay. It's so powerful. Such a contemporary sounding poem, too, with its dwelling on isolation and feeling different from those around you. Uh, wonderful. Now we're going to be listening to our next poem, and Kathy is going to be reading. So, Kathy, why don't you just go ahead and begin? Sonnet to Science. Science, true daughter of old time thou art, who alterest all things with thy peering eyes. Why prayest thou thus upon the poet's heart, vulture, whose wings are dull realities? How should he love thee, or how deem thee wise, who wouldst not leave him in his wandering to seek for treasure in the jeweled skies, albeit he soared with an undaunted wing? Hast thou not dragged Diana from her car and driven the Hamadryad from the wood to seek a shelter in some happier star? Hast thou not torn the naiad from her flood, the elfin from the green grass, and from me the summer dream beneath the tamarind tree? Thank you, Kathy. That was Kathy of the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater reading Sonnet to Science by Edgar Allan Poe here on the Hive Poetry Collective at KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm Deanna Riley, and we're going to be hearing more poems from Edgar Allan Poe read by this gifted group of dramatists. I just love that last sonnet of the poet exploring the relationship between science and poetry and ultimately deciding poetry is the superior practice and that science robs the poet of their subject matter and does not treat it with the same beauty, a kind of romantic version. So let's move on to our next poem and our next reader. And now Geraldine will be reading our next poem by Edgar Allan Poe. The Conqueror Worm. Lo, tis a garland night within the lonesome latter years. An angel throng be winged, bedight in veils and drown in tears. Sit in a theatre to see a play of hopes and fears. While the orchestra breathes fitfully 
the music of the spheres. Mimes in the form of God on high mutter and mumble low, and hither and thither fly. Mere puppets they who come and go at bidding at a vast formless things that shift the scenery to and fro, flapping from out their condor wings, invisible woe. That motley drama, oh, be sure it shall not be forgot, with its phantom chased forevermore by a crowd that sees it not, through a circle that ever returneth to the self-same spot. And much of madness and more of sin and horror, the soul of the plot. But see, amid the mimic rout, a crawling shape intrude, a blood-red thing that writhes from out the scenic solitude. It writhes, it writhes, with mortal pangs the mind become its food, and seraphs sob at vermin fangs in human gore imbued. Out! Out are the lights, out all, and over each quivering form, a curtain, a funeral pall, comes down with the rush of a storm, while the angels, all pallid and wan, uprising, unveiling, affirm that the play is the tragedy, man and its hero. The Conqueror Worm. Thank you, Geraldine. That was The Conqueror Worm by Edgar Allan Poe here on the Hive Poetry Collective. I'm Deanna Riley. What a wonderful poem. And, of course, The Conqueror Worm is always death. That's where we end up, eaten by the worm. And Wilma, would you like to talk a little bit about well, this poem? Well, just uh, just for the last two poems, I wanted to mention that uh, a recurring theme in a lot of Poe's work is the ri- the the rift between the Industrial Revolution, which is encroaching, and the the life of nature. We see that over and over again. And in both of the previous two poems, we see the the fear of science, the fear of the the. It's almost like. Um, what is the word I'm thinking of? Well, it's a romantic yeah. uh, preoccupation. No, I'm also thinking how contemporary it is with climate change problems. That we're the the science and the the encroaching industrialization of the planet has is almost completely destroying the green, the the air, the the rivers. And so I think of these as very contemporary, even though they are, you know, over 150 years old. From the very beginning, yeah. we, we knew that it yeah. was not the greatest idea. <laughs> right, uh-huh. exactly. However, the next poem, which Andrew will be reading, changes the tone just a little bit. I want to say this is... Um a Night at the Theater, that was the setting for this poem. Yes. And his parents were actors, Yes, I believe. Yes, um, they were. Yeah, and so this whole idea that the whole world is a stage and behind the scenes yeah. is this conqueror worm and that we're all just 
in the control right. of fate and this larger yeah. this uh, yeah. larger force that is actually much stronger than our science and our manipulations. So now we're going to move on to okay. the next poem. Now Andrew is going to be reading our next poem here on the Hive Poetry Collective, our next poem by Edgar Allan Poe. El Dorado, the Gilded One. Gaily bedight, a gallant knight, in sunshine and in shadow, had journeyed long, singing a song in search of El Dorado. But he grew old, this knight so bold, and o'er his heart a shadow fell as he found no spot of ground that looked like El Dorado. And as his strength failed him at length, he met a pilgrim shadow. Shadow, said he, where can it be, this land of El Dorado? Over the mountains of the moon, down the valley of the shadow. Ride, boldly ride, the shade replied, if you seek El Dorado. Wonderful. That was Andrew reading El Dorado, one of the last poems that Edgar Allan Poe wrote. And now for our next poem, we will be hearing from Kathy. The Bridal Ballad. The ring is on my hand, and the wreath is on my brow. Satin and jewels grand are all at my command, and I am happy now. And my lord, he loves me well. But when first he breathed his vow, I felt my bosom swell, for the words rang as a knell, and the voice seemed his who fell in the battle down the dell and who is happy now. But he spoke to reassure me and he kissed my pallid brow while a reverie came o'er me and to the churchyard bore me and I sighed to him before me thinking him dead delore me. Oh, I am happy now. And thus the words were spoken, and this the plighted vow. And though my faith be broken, and though my heart be broken, here is a ring as token that I am happy now. Would God I could awaken for I dream I know not how, and my soul is sorely shaken, lest an evil step be taken, lest the dead who is forsaken may not be happy now. Oh my gosh, that's such a wonderful poem, The Bridal Ballad, read by Kathy, a member of the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater here at the Hive Poetry Collective at KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm Deanna Riley, and we're listening to uh, the wonderful poetry of Edgar Allan Poe as a way of celebrating Halloween. And that poem was written from a woman's point of view, um, which is much different from the other ones. Um, and what a wonderful idea, and how familiar to contemporary people as well, the idea of the one who got away that you never stop loving. 
in this case, the dead man that she did not marry, the soldier who died, may be angry and come back to haunt the couple. So it's a very, very um, powerful poem. And I think a lot of people can relate to mooning over the one you loved before and maybe even being married to the one you do not love. So that was wonderful. And now it's time to move on to our next poem here on the Hive Poetry Collective. Moving on to our next poem by Edgar Allan Poe, we have John. Israfel. Israfel is an art Islamic archangel who will awaken the dead for final judgment on the day of resurrection at the end of the world. Israfel. In heaven a spirit doth dwell whose heart strings are a lute. None sings so wildly well as the angel Israfel and the giddy stars so legends tell, ceasing their hymns, attend the spell of his voice, all mute. Tottering above in her highest noon, the enamored moon blushes with love, while to listen the red leaven, with the rapid pleiads even which were seven, pauses in heaven. And they say, the starry choir, and the other listening things, that Israfeli's fire is owing to that lyre by which he sits and sings the trembling living wire of those unusual strings. But the skies that angel trod, where deep thoughts are a duty, where love's a grown-up god, where the hourly glances are imbued with all the beauty which we worship in a star. Therefore thou art not wrong, Israfeli, who despiseth an unimpassioned song. To thee the laurels belong. Best bard, because the wisest, merrily live and long. The ecstasies above with thy burning measure suit. Thy grief thy joy, thy hate, thy love, with the fervor of thy lute. Well may the stars be mute. Yes, heaven is thine, but this is a world of sweets and sours. Our flowers are merely flowers, and the shadow of thy perfect bliss is the sunshine of ours. If I could dwell where Israfel hath dwelt, and he where I, he might not sing so wildly well a mortal melody, while a bolder note than hiss, this might swell from my lyre within the sky. Thank you, John. That was John reading Israfel by Edgar Allan Poe. John is a a member of the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater. This is the Hive Poetry Collective. I'm Deanna Riley. You're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. And if you just tuned in, we're reading the work of Edgar Allan Poe as a way of celebrating Halloween and Day of the Dead. I just want to say a few things about Edgar Allan Poe here. I love Edgar Allan Poe for his resolute desire and relentless push into the darkest places. He's writing about death, 
always a good topic for poetry, but also a difficult topic to write about. Evidently, he married his cousin when she was 13 and he was 27. They were together 11 years, and after she died, he was devastated and only lived a few years after and wrote these haunting poems as he just could not let go of his loss. And he was not afraid to write about it. Often I feel when I'm working with other poets and when I'm looking at my own poetry, I feel like the degree to which we can unpeel those layers, even if they're unpleasant, is directly related to the universality and the success of our poetry. So clearly Poe had an amazing demand of history and mythology and meter and rhyme and other elements of craft. But one of the reasons why we're intrigued with him is his obsessive nature and the dark places that he just does not stop going. So yay for that, a girl and Poe. You're a model for us all. In that poem, Israfel, he is writing about the angel of lyricism and poetry. And in this case, the angel is a kind of surrogate, a stand-in for the poet. And he says that this angel plays the strings of the heart. So in that way, the angel is different from other artists because the poets directly pluck the strings of the heart. Love that, Edgar Allan Poe. So now we're going to hear one of the greatest hits, kind of like our Stairway of Heaven, Stairway to Heaven of Edgar Allan Poe, the famous Annabelle Lee. Annabelle Lee. It was many and many a year ago in a kingdom by the sea that a maiden there lived whom you may know by the name of Annabelle Lee. And this maiden, she lived with no other thought than to love and be loved by me. I was a child, and she was a child, in this kingdom by the sea. But we loved with a love that was more than love, I and my Annabelle Lee, with a love that the winged seraphs of heaven coveted her and me. And this was the reason that long ago, in this kingdom by the sea, a wind blew out of a cloud, chilling my beautiful Annabelle Lee, so that her high-born kinsman came and bore her away from me to shut her up in a sepulcher in this kingdom by the sea. The angels, not half so happy in heaven, went envying her and me. Yes, that was the reason, as all men know, in this kingdom by the sea, that the wind came out of the cloud by night, chilling and killing my Annabelle Lee. But our love, it was stronger by far than the love of those who were older than we, a many far wiser than we. And neither the angels in heaven above, nor the demons down under the sea, can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. For the moon never beams without bringing me dreams of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And the stars never rise, but I feel the bright eyes 
of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. And so, all the night tide, I lay down by the side of my darling, my darling, my life and my bride, in her sepulcher there by the sea, in her tomb by the sounding sea. Thank you, Havon Denae, reading Annabelle Lee and giving it a kind of an interpretation where it's, he sounds like a stalker, <laughs> which is just wonderful. And the repetition of um, the E sounds in it, the C, Lee, me, um, that gives it this kind of relentless, obsessive quality, too, um, whereas the other lines are not rhymed. Um, and I'm also noticing that a lot of these songs about his obsession with women have their names begin with L. Lenore, Annabelle Lee. Uh, what's that other one? Um, Ula Loom. Ula Loom. Yeah, so he kind of um, gives you the idea that they're all the same woman or they all are a stand-in for women in general. Um, so, yeah, that was a wonderful reading um, about obsession, supernatural a supernatural love that exists in another world that's just so intense that even the angels are jealous. Wonderful reading. Okay, so now it's time for our next poem. Now it's time for our next Edgar Allan Poe poem here at the Hive Poetry Collective. Andrew will be reading it. Ulalum, which I believe is a reference to the word ulalare, to wail. The skies, they were ashen and sober. The leaves, they were crisped and sere. The leaves, they were withering and sere. It was night in the lonesome October of my most immemorial year. It was hard by the dim lake of Auber in the misty mid-region of Weir. It was down by the dank tarn of Auber in the ghoul-haunted woodland of Weir. Here once, through an alley titanic of cypress, I roamed with my soul, of cypress with psyche, my soul. There were days when my heart was volcanic, as the scoriac rivers that roll, as the lavas that restlessly roll their sulfurous currents down Yannick in the ultimate climbs of the pole, that groan as they roll down Mount Yannick in the realms of the boreal pole. Our talk had been serious and sober, but our thoughts, they were palsied and sere. Our memories were treacherous and sere. For we knew not the month was October, and we marked not the night of the year. Ah, the night of all nights in the year. We noted not the dim lake of Auber, though once we had journeyed down here. Remembered not the dank tarn of Auber, nor the ghoul-haunted woodland of Weir. And now, as the night was senescent, and star-dials pointed to morn, as the star-dials hinted of morn, at the end of our path a liquescent and nebulous luster was born, out of which a miraculous crescent arose with a duplicate horn, Astarte's bediamonded and I said, she is warmer than Diane. She rolls through an ether of sighs. She revels in a region of sighs. She has seen that the tears are not dry on these cheeks where the worm never dies. 
and has come past the stars of the lion to point us the path to the skies, to the Lethean peace of the skies. Come up in despite of the lion to shine on us with her bright eyes. Come up through the lair of the lion with love in her luminous eyes. But Psyche, uplifting her finger, said sadly, This star I mistrust, her pallor I strangely mistrust. Oh, hasten, oh, let us not linger. Oh, fly, let us fly, for we must. In terror she spoke, letting sink her wings until they trailed in the dust. In agony sobbed, letting sink her plumes till they trailed in the dust. Till they sorrowfully trailed in the dust. I replied, this is nothing but dreaming. Let us on by this tremulous light. Let us bathe in the crystalline light. Its sibilic splendor is beaming with hope and beauty tonight. See, it flickers up the sky through the night. Ah, we safely may trust to its gleaming and be sure it will lead us aright. We safely may trust to a gleaming that cannot but guide us aright since it flickers up to heaven through the night. Thus I pacified Psyche and kissed her and tempted her out of her gloom and conquered her scruples and gloom. And we passed to the end of the vista, but were stopped by the door of a tomb, by the door of a legend and tomb. And I said, What is written, sweet sister, on the door of this legend and tomb? She replied, Ulalum, Ulalum, tis the vault of thy lost Ulalum. Then my heart. It grew ashen and sober, as the leaves that were crisped and sere, as the leaves that were withering and sere. And I cried, it was surely October, on this very night of last year, that I journeyed, I journeyed down here, that I brought a dread burden down here, on this night of all nights in the year. Oh, what demon has tempted me here? Well, I know now this dim lake of Auber, this misty mid-region of Weir. Well, I know now this dank tarn of Auber, this ghoul-haunted woodland of Weir. Thank you, Andrew. That was Andrew of the Willing Suspension Arm Th Chair Theater reading Ula Loom by Edgar Allan Poe as part of our celebration of the Day of the Dead and Halloween here on the Hive Poetry Collective at KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. Another poem of obsession. And the obsession is reflected in the relentless repetition of the word seer and weir. And uh, you just get the feeling of this man who is compelled to walk at, to the grave of his dead lover. He doesn't even know how he got there. And it reminds me of a friend of mine who said that before he quit being an alcoholic, he would just find himself at the bar before he even knew how he got there. Like he blacked out and there he was at the bar. So compulsion is eternal. I mean, we've always had compulsion and uh, so wonderfully reflected in this poem. So I think Wilma wants to talk to us a little bit more about this poem, Ula Loom, by Edgar Allan Poe. 
Well, I think it's kind of fun about Ulalum. Uh, first of all, you mentioned the L sounds of all the, the romantic, the women. Um, he also uses the L sounds for lumen, which is for light. And um, also I noticed um, when I was doing my research about this, the dim lake of Auber and the mid-region of where, where are those places? Well, I found out that they're named after two of his friends. Um, Auber is Daniel Auber, who wrote sad music, com- a composer who wrote sad music, and so he used the name Auber for that. And his friend Weir was a landscape painter who wrote, who painted dim, l- gloomy landscapes. And so the poem, I love how Poe just takes everything he knows from the classics to um, friends' names to just beautiful sounds and just incorporates them all into the poetry. I think that's just amazing. Yeah, I can just yeah. imagine him hearing the word oolaloom and just going oolala. I love that Ooh. word, oolaloom. <laughs> and uh, and the, the, and the he... word weir, I love the word weir because yeah. it sounds like weird. Or and weird weary. and yeah. weary. Yeah. 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 And, and weird means supernatural too. It does, yeah. So yeah, I think he just, you know, being yeah. a wordsmith, he becomes yeah. obsessed with words, just like he's obsessed with um, these dead women. Yeah. Well, we are now going to the one that everybody is waiting to hear. The other greatest the hit. The other big number one hit. Side so A. I will send that over to the three gentlemen in our group. Okay. Now we're going to have Andrew, John, and Vandene read The Raven. Once upon a midnight dreary... While I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore, while I nodded, nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as of someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber door. "'Tis some visitor,' I muttered, tapping at my chamber door. Only this, and nothing more. Ah, distinctly, I remember, it was in the bleak December, and each separate dying ember wrought its ghost upon the floor. Eagerly I wished the morrow. Vainly had I sought to borrow from my book's surcease of sorrow, sorrow for the lost Lenore, for the rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore, nameless here forevermore. And the silken, sad, uncertain rustling of each purpled curtain thrilled me, filled me with fantastic terrors never felt before, so that now, to still the beating of my heart, I stood repeating, "'Tis some visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door, some late visitor entreating entrance at my chamber door. This it is, and nothing more. Presently, my soul grew stronger, Hesitating then no longer, Sir, said I, or Madam, Truly your forgiveness I implore, But the fact is I was napping, And so gently you came rapping, And so faintly you came tapping, Tapping at my chamber door, That I scarce was sure I heard you. Here I opened wide the door, Darkness there, and nothing more. 
deep into that darkness peering. Long I stood there, wondering, fearing, doubting, dreaming dreams no mortal ever dared to dream before. But the silence was unbroken, and the stillness gave no token, and the only word there spoken was the whispered word, Lenore. This I whispered, and an echo murmured back the word, Lenore. Merely this, and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning. Soon again I heard a tapping, somewhat louder than before. Surely, said I, surely that is something at my window lattice. Let me see, then, what thereat is, and this mystery explore. Let my heart be still a moment, and this mystery explore. Tis the wind, and nothing more. Open here I flung the shutter, when, with many a flirt and flutter, in there stepped the stately raven of the saintly days of yore. Not the least obeisance made he, not a minute stopped or stayed he, but with mien of lord or lady, perched above my chamber door, perched upon a bust of palace, just above my chamber door, perched and sat, and nothing more. Then this ebony bird beguiling my sad fancy into smiling by the grave and stern decorum of the countenance it wore. Though thy crest be shorn and shaven, thou, I said, art sure no craven, ghastly grim and ancient raven wandering from the nightly shore. Tell me what thy lordly name is on the night's Plutonian shore. Quoth the raven, Nevermore. Much I marveled, this ungainly fowl, to hear discourse so plainly, though its answer little meaning, little relevancy bore. For we cannot help agreeing that no living human being ever yet was blessed with seeing bird above his chamber door, bird or beast upon the sculptured bust above his chamber door, with such name as Nevermore. But the raven, sitting lonely on the placid bust, spoke only that one word, as if his soul in that one word he did outpour. Nothing further than he muttered, not a feather than he fluttered, till I scarcely more than muttered, other friends have flown before. On the morrow he will leave me, as my hopes have flown before. Then the bird said, Nevermore. Startled at the stillness, broken by reply, so aptly spoken. Doubtless, said I, what it utters is its only stock and store. Caught from some unhappy master, who unmerciful disaster followed fast and followed faster, till his songs one burden bore, to the dirges of his hope that melancholy burden bore, of never, nevermore. But the raven still beguiling all my fancy into smiling. Straight I wheeled a cushioned seat in front of bird and bust and door. Then upon the velvet sinking, I betook myself to linking fancy unto fancy, thinking what this ominous bird of yore, what this grim, ungainly, ghastly, gaunt, and ominous bird of yore meant in croaking, Nevermore.
This I sat engaged in guessing, but no syllable expressing to the fowl whose fiery eyes now burned into my bosom's core. This and more I sat divining, with my head at ease reclining on the cushion's velvet lining that the lamplight gloated o'er, but whose velvet violet lining with the lamplight gloating o'er she shall press, ah, nevermore. Then, methought, the air grew denser, perfumed from an unseen censer, swung by seraphim whose footfalls tinkled on the tufted floor. Wretch, I cried, thy God hath lent thee by these angels. He hath sent thee respite, respite, and nepenthe from thy memories of Lenore. Quaff, oh, quaff this kind nepenthe, and forget the lost Lenore, quoth the raven, nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still, if bird or devil, whether tempter sent or whether tempest tossed thee here ashore, desolate yet all undaunted, on this desert land enchanted, on this home by horror haunted, tell me truly, I implore, is there, is there balm in Gilead? Tell me, tell me, I implore, quoth the raven, Nevermore. Prophet, said I, thing of evil, prophet still if bird or devil, by that heaven that bends above us, by that God we both adore, tell this soul with sorrow laden, if within the distant Aden it shall clasp a sainted maiden whom the angels name Lenore, clasp a rare and radiant maiden whom the angels name Lenore. Quoth the raven, nevermore. Be that word our sign in parting, bird or fiend, I shrieked up starting. Get thee back into the tempest at the night's plutonium shore. Leave no black plume as a token of that lie thy soul has spoken. Leave my loneliness unbroken. Quit the bust above my door. Take thy beak from out my heart and take that form from off my door. Quote the raven, nevermore. And the raven, never flitting, still is sitting, still is sitting, on the pallid bust of Pallas just above my chamber door, and his eyes have all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming, and the lamplight o'er him streaming throws his shadow on the floor, and my soul from out that shadow that lies floating on the floor shall be lifted nevermore. That was the poem that hardly needs an introduction by Edgar Allan Poe, read by the men of the Willing Armchair Theatre. That was John, Andrew, and Avondana. And now we're going to be moving on to the next poem on the Hive Poetry Collective. I'm Deanna Riley, and you're listening to KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. If you just tuned in, this is a little celebration of Day of the Dead and Halloween by reading of our favorite morbid poet, Edgar Allan Poe. The Bells. One. Hear the sledges with the bells. Silver bells, what a world of merriment their melody foretells. How they tinkle, tinkle, tinkle in the icy air of night. 
while the stars that oversprinkle all the heavens seem to twinkle with a crystalline delight, keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme to the tintinabulation that so musically wells from the bells, 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 from the jingling and the tinkling of the bells. Two, hear the mellow wedding bells, golden bells. What a world of happiness their harmony foretells. Through the balmy air of night, how they ring out their delight. From the molten golden notes and all in tune. What a liquid ditty floats to the turtle dove that listens while she gloats on the moon. Oh, from out the sounding cells, what a gush of euphony voluminously wells. How it swells, how it dwells on the future, how it tells of the rapture that impels to the swinging and the ringing of the bells, bells, bells. Of the bells, 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 bells. To the rhyming and the chiming of the bells. Three. Hear the loud alarm bells. Brazen bells. What a tale of terror now their turbulency tells. In the startled ear of night, how they scream out their affright. Too much horrified to speak, they can only shriek, shriek, out of tune, in a clamorous appealing to the mercy of the fire, in a mad expostulation with the deaf and frantic fire, leaping higher, 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 with a desperate desire, and a resolute endeavor, now, now to sit, or never, by the side of the pale-faced moon. Oh, the bells, bells, bells. What a tale their terror tells of despair. How they clang and clash and roar. What a horror they outpour on the bosom of the palpitating air. Yet the ear it fully knows by the twanging and the clanging how the danger ebbs and flows. Yet the ear distinctly tells in the jangling and the wrangling, how the danger sinks and swells by the sinking or the swelling in the anger of the bells, of the bells, of the bells, 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 in the clamor and the clangor of the bells. Four, hear the tolling of the bells, iron bells. What a world of solemn thought their modity compels. In the silence of the night, how we shiver with affright at the melancholy menace of their tone. For every sound that floats from the rust within their throats is a groan. And the people, ah, the people, they that dwell up in the steeple, all alone and who tolling, 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 in that muffled monotone, 
feel a glory in so rolling on the human heart a stone. They are neither man nor woman. They are neither brute nor human. They are ghouls. And their king it is who tolls, and he rolls, 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 a paean from the bells, and his merry bosom swells with the paean of the bells, and he dances, and he yells, keeping time, 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 in a sort of runic rhyme to the paean of the bells, of the bells. Keeping time, time, time in a sort of runic rhyme to the throbbing of the bells, of the bells, 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 to the sobbing of the bells. Keeping time, 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 as he nails, 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 and a happy runic rhyme to the rolling of the bells, of the bells, 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 to the tolling of the bells, of the bells, 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 to the moaning and the groaning of the bells. Wow. What an amazing poem. What an amazing reading by the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater. It's like a twisted, dark, compulsive rap uh, from another time in our country. I think so, too. I love that poem. I love all of them. Um, I love how we depart from the rational and we move into a complete dedication to the irrational to the psyche, to the to the deep soul of anguish that this wonderful writer lived with and died with, and uh, it's I mean, so relentless. Yeah, and he takes something innocent like mm-hmm. bells. I mean, what could be more innocent and upbeat than bells? Yeah. And he just turns it into a monster, yeah. um, like almost like voices in your head or yeah. something. So yeah, Thank um, you for wow. saying that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, it's been an, a real pleasure for the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater to be able to bring this material. We have one more poem, which I think sort of sums up the whole ambiance of Poe, um, how his life was spent. Uh, it's been a a kind of journey to go and to conclude with this one last poem, which Geraldine and Kathy will read. And I just want to thank you for listening and for presenting this beautiful show and for letting us be part of it. So well, the thank Hive you. Poetry Collective loves the Willing Suspension Arm Chair Theater, and we're always happy to have you. So we'll finish off with this last poem here at KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. I'm Deanna Riley. I've had so much fun with Wilma and the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater. And here is Kathy and Geraldine reading our final poem. A Dream Within a Dream. Take this kiss upon the brow, and in parting from you now, thus much let me avow. You are not wrong who deem that my days have been a dream. Yet if hope has flown away in a night 
or in a day, in a vision, or in none? Is it therefore the less gone? All that we see or seem is but a dream within a dream. I stand amid the roar of a surf-tormented shore, and I hold within my hand grains of the golden sand. How few, yet how they creep through my fingers to the deep while I weep, while I weep. Oh God, can I not grasp them with a tighter clasp? Oh God, can I not save one from the pitiless wave? Is all that we see or seem but a dream within a dream? Thank you, Kathy and Geraldine of the Willing Armchair Theatre. Thank you for coming on the Hive Poetry Collective here at KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM. That wonderful poem of a dream within a dream where Poe contemplates on the idea that all of reality is merely our perception of it and our dream of it and our idea of it, but maybe even another layer. We are someone else's dream. A pretty advanced and deep idea. I think even physicists would have an, uh, have fun with that idea. So thank you once again, Wilma, and all of you for being here on the Hive Poetry Collective. And I'm sure that uh, we'll have you back on again, maybe next year. Maybe this can be our annual Halloween show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Before we leave today, uh, though... I would like to tell our listening audience here at KSQD Santa Cruz 90.7 FM about an upcoming event on November 7th. That is the Morton Marcus reading, the annual reading. Gary Soto will read, Gary Young will host, and the winner of the Morton Marcus Prize will be announced. This is at the UCSE Music Recital Hall on November 7th, as I said, the doors open at 6.30. So I would really suggest you Google the Morton Marcus reading put in November 7th, and their website will come up, and there's an RSVP function on it. I recommend you RSVP because I did not last year. Well, I don't think you could last year, and I couldn't get in when Gary Snyder was reading, and I had to turn around and go home. So do RSVP. Once again, that's Morton Marcus annual reading. On November 7th, UCSE Music Recital Hall, 6.30 is when the doors open. RSVP, it's first come, ser first serve. So thank you for listening today to the Hive Poetry Collective and to listening to Wilma Marcus and the Willing Suspension Armchair Theater here on KSQD Santa Cruz, 90.7 FM, Community Radio for the Monterey Bay. Please listen to us on Spotify or iTunes and your favorite podcast platforms. Check out our website, hivepoetry.org. And we're on Facebook at the Hive Poetry Collective on KSQD. Tune in most Sundays at 8 o'clock. We love for you to listen to us so we can spread the magic word of poetry. Thanks for tuning in. 
and see you next time here on the Hive Poetry Collective.